We are in a sermon series using popular songs to point to scriptural truths. Songs that, although they're not Christian, have elements that can point us to God's word. And so today, we are journeying to the early 2000s, to the very first American Idol herself, Kelly Clarkson, and her song, Since You've Been Gone. Have a listen. So what does a breakup song have to do with the Bible? Well, Kelly is celebrating the end of a bad relationship, a relationship that really was a lie. She loved him, but he wasn't really invested in the relationship. And now that she's realized that, that he hasn't loved her in return, she's kicked him to the curb, and she's celebrating that she's free from this unhealthy relationship. She can breathe for the first time, and she is so moving on. As Christians, though, all of us, whether we've dated someone or not, have left at least one relationship behind. And that is our relationship with sin. When we trusted in Jesus, we broke up with sin, so to speak. And that's really what we mean by repentance. It's turning away from our sin and turning toward God. By God's grace, Jesus freed us from sin's power sin's presence, and sin's penalty in our lives. And so our toxic relationship with it is ended. And so we can breathe for the first time, we can move on, because we're free in Jesus. Our sins are forgiven, our guilt is removed from us. We who were far from God are now brought near to him. Enemies have become friends. And we enjoy all the benefits of finding a better relationship in following Jesus than in dating sin. But in Romans 6, 15 to 23, Paul deals with a really important question. If we are under God's grace, can't we just sin as much as we want to? I mean, if if God's going to forgive me anyway, why can't I just, you know, sin however, you know, all the time? as much as I want. Hmm. Well, Paul answers this question, and let's hear what he says. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification." For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Paul's answer to the question, can't we just sin freely now, is an emphatic no. Why? Well, because our relationship with sin has changed. So we can't live as if it hasn't. We and sin have gone our separate ways. Now, he's not saying that we as Christians never sin. Obviously, we do, and we mess up a lot. But what he's telling us is that our being under God's grace, our being forgiven, is not an excuse for us to sin. We can't just say things like, well, God will forgive me anyway. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go do it. That's not how this works. When our life, for example, when our life once revolved around ourselves and our selfish desires, our lives are supposed to be changed to now revolve around Jesus. So for instance, if someone was a thief or swindler before coming to Christ, they don't get to say, well, now that I'm forgiven, let me go swindle whoever I want. Doesn't work that way. We will all sin and mess up as Christians, certainly. And God forgives us because of what Jesus did on the cross. But we can't use it as an excuse. Sin should no longer be what characterizes our lives as Christians because God's claim on our lives means a change in how we live. Now, before Christ, we were slaves to sin. Like in the song, we in sin started out friends. It was cool, but it was all pretend. And sin, whatever forms it took in our lives, was what directed us. It was what we obeyed. And we lived lives opposed to God, with our sins separating us from him. In the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Edmund finds himself in the magical world of Narnia and meets up with a white witch. Now she offers him his favorite treat, Turkish delight. I've never had it, but apparently it's delicious. And she seems like a really kind person. And she wants to make him a prince and have his siblings be his servants. That sounds great, but she's lying. She deceives him with the lure of sweets and power, and what seems like a sweet proposal ain't so sweet at all. Because when he goes back to her, she makes him her captive with plans to kill both him and her sibling, his siblings. That's what sin does. It lies and promises us life, but only ultimately leads us to death. And yet, we found ourselves captured by it. Slaves to sin and far from God, unable to free ourselves. But then Jesus walks into our lives. And Jesus has set us free from sin. We can breathe. And we're freed from sin's penalty. We now have eternal life. Now we could never earn this, but we don't have to either. Because Jesus earned it for us. We no longer need to live in shame over the things we have done wrong. Jesus' death and resurrection have removed our guilt from us. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are loved beyond our deepest imagination. And we're freed from sin's power. It's no longer our slave master. 
In fact, we are enabled to obey God where we once disobeyed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. God actually gives us the ability to say no to sins in our lives where before we would have embraced them. Jesus says in John 8, 34 to 36, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And indeed we are. We are rescued from our bad relationship with sin and brought into a relationship with Jesus. And so Paul tells us then that if we use God's grace as an excuse to sin, it's like we're re-enslaving ourselves. But we're not slaves to sin anymore. We can't live as if we are. And he reminds us that serving sin leads to death. He asks, what was the payout for sin? What was the return on investment? After coming to faith in Christ, these are things that you're now ashamed of. Don't go back to that old bad relationship because that's only slavery and death. You know, all of us have invested ourselves in, in something. Hate, slander, murder, although I hope none of you have murdered anybody. Gossip, acting as if God didn't exist, worshiping the wrong things, greed, jealousy, being jerks to our parents, spreading vicious rumors online. These things left hurt in their wake, estranged us from God, from others, and hurt us. And these are things that even as Christians, we may still be drawn to. But their payout, ultimately, is death. So why make excuses to keep doing them? If Jesus had to die to save us from these things, why would we choose to go back to them? Why would we let them have a hold on us again? It's like going back to a loser boyfriend or girlfriend after you've found the perfect husband or wife. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that you have lived your entire life as a slave to someone, and they have made you work seven days a week. You get maybe two or three hours of sleep a night. He's harsh. He's easily angered. He orders you to do tasks in an impossibly short amount of time. And if you don't, you're beaten, you get forced to sleep out in the cold, you're denied food. You are in a hopeless situation. And then in walks someone who goes and sets you free from that wicked man. You're free for the first time in your life. You can breathe for the first time. But you decide, you know what? I don't think it was that bad. You decide that though you're free, fully and completely, you'd, you'd rather go back and be the slave of that awful man again. Would that not be a ridiculous thing to do? This is yes, this is no. Okay. <laughs> and Paul's telling us that it's equally ridiculous to use God's grace as an excuse to sin. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We can't live as if we are. Jesus has set us free. And we are now slaves to God. Now, admittedly, that sounds a little weird. I mean, it sounds like we're saying, okay, so we're, <laughs> we're stopping being slaves to this person. We're still slaves to somebody. 
And it sounds odd, but understand what, what Paul's really saying here. When he's talking about slavery, he's talking about who can lay a claim on us. Whose will do we obey above all else? Whose ways do we follow? To whom do we belong? Not a harsh taskmaster, but to God. God who so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. As followers of Jesus, we follow God's will above all else. That's how serious of a commitment we make to Jesus. And rather than giving ourselves over to sin, as best we can by God's grace, we give ourselves over to righteousness. And righteousness is just a fancy word for doing that which is right in God's eyes, obeying our creator. We who have been saved live in gratitude to the Lord by following his ways. And so rather than being directed by sin, we now seek to be directed by God, by righteousness. And so our call then, as Christians, is to stay broken up with sin, to live to sing since you've been gone to the sins in our lives. Now we are saved by God's grace. We're not earning our salvation. We're not earning God's love by doing that. No, he has saved us. He has saved us from what we deserved, which was death, what we earned for our sin. And he has given us something we didn't earn, a free gift, eternal life. We're freed from our sin, enabled to live lives pleasing to God. Still, all of us deal with the lure of sin daily, don't we? And if you don't nod right now, you are lying in church and that is a sin. <laughs> this doesn't mean that we will never sin. This doesn't mean that a good Christian is one who never sins. We're going to struggle with it our entire lives. But it no longer owns us. God has given us his grace. And so our lives as Christians are ones that we are continually working by God's grace to put to death our sin and live lives that honor God. All of us at times find ourselves struggling to put to death a particular sin in our lives. For instance, let's, let's say the struggle is speaking hurtfully to people when you're angry. And I'm sure many of us have struggled with that at times. That's not necessarily going to disappear overnight. But as you seek God, as you ask his forgiveness every time that you fail, as you ask for his grace to do better, as you seek the help and wisdom of other Christians and their prayers, as you spend time in God's word, little by little, you begin to grow and become more and more like Jesus. It takes time. But the key is that we're seeking God in our battle against sin. Jesus has set us free. And this is marvelous news. Sin is no longer our Lord and Master. He is. And that means we can live according to the purpose for which God made us. We've been rescued from a bad relationship and given a perfect one. So day by day, we break up with sin and we turn to Jesus. Like Kelly, we rejoice that we can breathe for the first time and move on. And though it's not an excuse for sin, 
The beautiful truth of the gospel is that whenever we fail, we can go to God. And God's grace is enough to forgive us and help us to live transformed lives. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that you have given us. We thank you that we belong to you, which means we do not belong to anyone else. You are good. Your kindness is unfathomable. We thank you for it. And we pray that you would help us live lives that bring honor to you. Not so that you will love us, but because you already do and because we love you. And Lord, we do indeed love you when we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.